0: Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If you have it, I want you to stand. I want somebody to stand, and I'm going to come to you. You're, okay, go ahead. I want you to read it for the sake of the podcast. It says, To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, You must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Be with us in these next few moments. Lord, we want to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, we all said. I just want to reflect real back and review a little bit of what we shared from last week and the understanding that what I want to talk about here tonight is I actually want to talk about Arguments or conflict, but how to have healthy arguments. Because when you understand a healthy conflict, you'll understand that sometimes the pain is there for a reason. A lot of people come to church thinking, God, take the pain away. Not realizing God put the pain in there. God was the one that gave you the pain. Because sometimes pain will drive you to your knees. Conflict will drive you closer to the cross. That's what will happen many times. And if you don't understand that, you're going to always come to God thinking, take this away. When God's saying, no, I'm not going to take it away. You need to learn how to grow. That's what conflict is for. And so in particular here, we see with Adam and Eve, the conflict, the woman, or, or Adam said, the woman you gave me gave me the fruit, and I did eat. You know what Adam was doing? He was indirectly blaming God for what was given to him. Wasn't me, it was her. And then what did she say? Wasn't me, it was the serpent. And what did the serpent say? (laughs) Yeah, got him. That's really what he said. It's true. I I messed him up. When the fall of man came in, it started through the conflict of marriage. It started with the conflict of marriage. So for those of you that are here saying, man, we're just... I don't know why. Why does he act like that? Why does he act like that? That's actually a part of how sin came into the world. It was a part of it. It was from the very beginning. And so what we need to understand that you will find all throughout the scriptures, even after that in Genesis chapter 4, one of the first ones, one of the first sins uh, that we see again, the murder that happened when Cain killed Abel, right? Right. Then he, God comes to Cain. Hey, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Everybody's always shifting the blame. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. Matter of fact, it even happened with their son, Lamech. I, I, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. So somehow, way, there's always a shift that is going on. See, our marriage would be great if she would just get in line. Our marriage would be perfect if he would just listen to me. It isn't until you really begin to understand health within your marriage that you will begin to find that's where God resides. Somebody say amen. Now, when you begin to look even throughout history, all throughout history, you will never find no generation without conflict or without war. There has always been war. There's always been conflict. And so what you and I must understand is that we cannot allow the fruits of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, the apostle Paul calls it a discord. In other words, there's always trying to be a division within what God is trying to put together. That's why we read the scriptures and says, What God has put together, let no man put asunder. Because that's what the enemy is always trying to do. He's always trying to divide and always trying to conquer. So here today, tonight, I want to share with you some things, especially for you married couples. Again, all the married couples say amen. Amen. All the happy married couples say amen. Amen. All those that want to get married say amen. amen. All right. I'll make sure we're on the same page here. So I want to just real quickly review last week what we talked about, that in conflict, somebody say conflict. Number one, you got to have the right attitude you got to have the right attitude. you got to have the right perspective. In other words, James talks about it, that even though you're going through trials of many kind, consider it pure joy. In other words, be excited that you're going through hell. Right? That's like, that doesn't make any sense. I come to church because I want heaven. Well, to be honest, you're really not going to truly experience heaven until you die. And you could take it by the same token. You could take it spiritually. You want to experience heaven? Die to yourself. Die to who you think you are. Die to you think who you uh, want to become. You got to die to that because God is trying to make you into who he wants you to be. So you got to have the right attitude. Even in Romans chapter 5, we read, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because suffering, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character produces hope. See, something what you and I must understand is that when we have the right attitude, it changes the outcome of even our conflict. When you have the right attitude, it changes the outcome of even our conflict. It doesn't allow uh, depression or bitterness to come in or disillusion to separate what God is trying to do within our marriages. See, this is something that so often within our lives that I will find that the word divorce comes out so easily like it's nothing. Like it's nothing, especially within today's day and age. Uh, uh, how'd you guys do? Well, we ain't doing that good. How long have you guys been married? Uh, a week. I just want to divorce her already. A week? What? See, we, we haven't learned the biblical principles of the reason for marriage. Look, you have to understand this marriage was God's law, not man's. Did you hear me? I said a lot of deep stuff right there. Marriage is God's law, not man's. In other words, if you're trying to go about marriage man's way, you're not going to receive God's promises. We always say, I want God's promises. Okay, then you got to go under God's law. When you understand that, it changes your perspective. Then you know what? I'll consider it pure joy, even though I feel like I'm going through pure hell. It's good. It's good. Let's take it for the men's home. Even though somebody stole my toothpaste, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This brother's getting on my nerves. Hallelujah. I'm going to shake his hand and shake it really hard. Consider it pure joy, having the right attitude. Also, we understand that in conflict, We must develop perseverance. Somebody say perseverance. See, perseverance has to finish its perfect work. In other words, what you're going through right now, you're not done yet. God's not finished with you yet. So if you feel like, man, why am I feeling like this? Why does he keep doing this to me? Why does she keep doing this? You're not done yet. God's not done with you. Isn't that exciting that God's not finished with us yet? So whenever somebody looks at you and they get all perturbed with you and say, who do you think you are? You know what you could tell them? I don't even know. God's not done with me yet. I don't even know who I am yet. God's not done with me yet. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not done with me yet. See, persevering in trials includes conflict. And the conflict that we go through is regardless of our circumstances, understanding the development of peace, patience, and joy. It's called our character. Somebody say character. It's for something that you and I must understand, that you're always going to reap What you sow, but do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So, listen, I'm here to tell you here tonight for those of you that are married, your husband not saved, your wife's not saved, do not give up because in due season you will reap a harvest and a harvest that will be bountiful, a harvest that will be plentiful, but you gotta keep on sowing good seed. That brings me to my third point sow good seed. Sow good seed. Even in the midst of it all, even in the midst of encountering conflict, what you and I must understand, you're always going to reap what you sow. Always. It's a biblical principle. It's a spiritual principle. You're going to reap what you sow. So if you may think, and this is, this is just my uh, interpretation sometimes of what I've learned in, in learning the, the, the principle of reaping and sowing. When somebody comes to me and I hear gossip, about me you know it takes a long time if you're going to hear gossip about you it takes a long time to get to you so by the time i heard it this is the way i think i don't ever look at the gossip and go why are they saying that you know what i do this is just a personal thing you won't find this in the scripture it's a personal thing when i hear that you know what i think i think what did i say to someone else because now it's coming back to me because i must have did something because I reap what I sow. And you know what I've learned? You know where I learned this from? I learned this from my mother. You know why? Because when I was a kid, I used to do so much crazy stuff. And I used to rebel a lot. Pastor, you rebelled? I rebelled a lot. And you know what my mom used to tell me when I was 14 years old? And I would directly, intentionally do, go against what she would say. I would come back home from my rebellious state. And you know what one of the first things she would tell me? She would go, You're going to reap what you sow. And then she would walk away. So here I am, years later, married with four children. And I look at the crazy thing that my kids are doing now. And I go, oh, man. But that's one of the reasons, if I'm honest with you, why I can't get upset. This is what I sowed. I sowed this. So now it has to come back. I have to have the right attitude. So now, if I want goodness to come out of my children, or in this case, if you want goodness to come out of your wife or come out of your spouse, then you must reap or sow good seeds. Sow good seeds. It's not about, well, she's not listening, or he's not listening. No, no, no. Conflict has always been a part, and it's always going to be a part. But it's up to you to sow good seeds. Well, she's not doing it doesn't matter whether she's well, he's not It doesn't matter whether it's up to you. It's an individual principle. Reaping where you mu- or uh, yeah, reaping where you must sow. It's very important. Somebody say, reap and sow. See, these are the fruits that you and I must understand. Matter of fact. The apostle Paul says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with... So for those of you that are married, and you're saying, well, she keeps on doing this. Well, he keeps on doing that. You know what you're supposed to do? Serve him. That's what you're supposed to do, serve him. Serve her. Well, but pastor, you don't know my spouse. Exactly. I don't want to know your spouse. That's your spouse. I got my own. You know, we read about Solomon in the Bible. Solomon had, what do he have, over 700 wives and 300 concubines? Oh my gosh! 700 wives. Look, I'm good with one. Praise the Lord. Just one. One is all I need. You're all that I need. You're all I need to get by. Why? Because even in the one, the conflict that we have. Now, believe me, I'm not standing up here behind this pulpit saying I have no conflict. I am preaching this message to you, telling you I have conflict. But this is how we must resolve the conflict, biblically speaking. Not the way, well, this is the way my dad taught me. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're going at it the way your dad or your mom or your aunt or your uncle or your grandmother or your grandfather taught you, you're going under man's law. So why is it? No, you got to learn the biblical principles. Can I hear an Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, we must not only sow good seeds, but we must faithfully do it until God brings the harvest. We plant and we water, but only God makes the seed grow in its time. Now, the fourth one, fourth point tonight, is that in conflict, we must talk to our spouse before we talk to anyone else. We must talk to our spouse before we talk to anyone else. Now, this is very important. Watch this. We're going to get into some teaching right here. This is an important principle to, impl- to apply within our conflict in being able to talk to our spouse before anyone else. This principle is a principle that Christ taught about in dealing even with sin in general. Turn, turn to me, uh, turn to the Bible in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, and read it with me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says, if your, brothers, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Now, this is very important for several reasons. First, it shows respect for our spouse. It shows respect for our spouse. If you want respect for your spouse, then you got to show it in your house. Being able to make sure that the conflict doesn't live around the house. Because believe me, when there is conflict between the husband and the wife, everybody in the house can feel it. Everybody can feel it. See, this is something that you and I must understand, that I, and I've learned this principle, that it's very disrespectful to talk to someone else before you talk to your spouse about a conflict issue. Well, I'm going to go talk to my mom. Well, I'm going to go talk to my dad. I'm going to go talk to my best friend. You know what I've learned, and I've shared this with our Bible study the other day, and I'm, I'm being honest with you. Can I be honest with you right now? Is that all right? I was sharing this the other day with our Bible study, and actually even with a few couples, that I, I just learned this. I know it's going to seem like, Pastor, you didn't know that? I said, yeah, I'm just learning this. I just learned this about mm, four months ago, okay? Now, when I say I learned it four months ago, trust me, I have not perfected this. But just, it's just like a revelation. Of, oh, wow, that's awesome news. And if I'm honest with you, my wife's been telling me this since the day we got married. Since the day we got married, she'll probably be like, hey, man, I've been telling them that. I don't know why it took them 12 years. Well, rather than 12 years, than 24 years, amen? And you know what I have found? Is that this whole time, my wife and myself, whenever we have conflict, and especially from the conflict that she's trying to share with me, you know what she's trying to tell me? She's trying to say, hey, I just want to be your best friend. I want to be your best friend. So what you're saying, Pastor, what are you saying? When you're married... And if you go to somebody else who you call your best friend, you are stopping your spouse from wanting that intimacy that they've always longed for. They've always longed for that intimacy. Now, this is not, I'm sharing it for myself because I'm the husband, but it goes the same for the wives. It's the same exact thing because it's understanding the principle of saying, hey, you know what? I don't want somebody else to resolve this problem if it could be settled between me and my spouse. This is something just between us. And I say that because... In today's day and age, I know where I live in. I understand where we live in. You want to know how we release a lot of our emotions? This is how we release a lot of our emotions. I'm not feeling good. I'm going to tell everybody else, and I'm not feeling well. And I just don't like how she's doing. I don't like how he's doing. I don't. What in the world? And all of a sudden, Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat has become a release for our marital emotions. I said, well, why is there conflict? Well, because you're releasing your emotions to 100 million people when there should be only one person. Remember, we're talking marriage here. We're talking marriage. And it's very vital and very important that if you're going to resolve any conflict, Trust me, Mark Zuckerberg is not going to help you resolve your conflict. He's not going to help you resolve. It's something that you as an individual that you have to pray and say, God, let me be able to share this the right way to my spouse. Because that's the one that I lie in bed with every single night. This is the one that I talk to, that I deal with, that we have dealing with our children, with our families, with our friends. This is the one. And if I cannot resolve this here first, it's going to be very difficult to do it anywhere else. So this is where you and I must understand. We must first resolve this conflict with our spouse. Secondly, every story also has two sides of it. So you got to make sure that those who are closest, such as our families and our friends, that they do not have the ability all the time to give us an unbiased counsel. I'm going to be talking about counsel But even for myself, even as a pastor, I have to learn not to jump to conclusions right away. That's what I've learned. I try my best not to jump to conclusions right away. Because then all of a sudden, there's already a conflict. I don't want to stir up even more. I got to make sure, hey, if we're coming right now to each other, we need to talk to each other. Let's resolve this thing. Let's not let the enemy of someone else or someone else come in and try to divide. The enemy's doing great as it is trying to divide us. I don't need anybody else to try to come in and allow the fruits of the flesh to bring discord into this unity right here. So it's very important what you and I are able to do. See, when we talk to the spouse, we should ha- it shows the respect and the honor to our husband and even to our wives. This is why Christ taught that when somebody sins against us, we should go to that person first. See, many couples even increase their conflict by bringing others in without first seeking to resolve it with their spouse alone. That's why in Matthew chapter 18, it's very important. If you have something against someone, don't go through the telephone first. Resolve it with that person. Now, remember, I'm telling you, I'm talking about marriage, but this is also a biblical principle. So for those of you that are single, or if you have something against somebody, even in this church, you know what you're supposed to do? Go to them. Well, I'm going to go talk to so-and-so, and I'm going to go talk to her. I'm going to go talk to him. See, I just want, let me get them on my side. No, you're not getting anybody. You're creating division. You're creating division. And You know how you have that feeling of division? Because if you start avoiding somebody, and you start avoiding them, you know that right away see this is one of the reasons why in our church I love doing this every service we greet each other greet each other in the love of the Lord and you know why we say that in the love of the Lord because if I said greet each other in the love of yourself then half of us wouldn't greet the other half because let's be honest right now I don't love you you messed up on the flyer don't ever mess up again just kidding So with that, in Matthew chapter 18, you must go to that other person. And when it comes to marriage, don't allow anyone else to bring discord into what God is trying to unify. Secondly, in conflict, also in Matthew chapter 18, it shares this, is that we must seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. Now, it kind of seems like I'm probably being contradiction, to the first point, but it's not. They actually come together. There is a time frame. It's chronological. In other words, first you must do this. Then the Bible says, matter of fact, look at me there, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 16 and 17. Matter of fact, I want another married couple. Let me get a wife to stand and read it. Matthew chapter 18, verses 16 and 17. I already read the other verse. Okay, read it for me. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they will refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and they will, and they refuse to listen even to the church. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Mm. Highlight that, circle that, underline it, bold it. See, even though the original concept is having to do with sin, it certainly applies to the conflicts even within our marriage. See, God made us part of the body of Christ, which includes marriage. Somebody say marriage. See, when the natural body is sick, what it does is that it'll often result in a fever, and you can see it. Now, in a fever, what happens is that the body recruits itself to bring healing. In other words, over time, the body itself can heal itself. It's natural. Whether you take medicine or not, medicine makes, speeds up the process, but whether you take medicine or not, the majority of the time, the body can heal itself. If you get a scar, the body will heal itself. So in other words, if you're having conflict within your marriage and you cannot resolve it within, uh, within it of yourself, then go to the body. Go to The body. Somebody say the body. See, the body helps us stay healthy. Marriages should always operate as a body of Christ. But in times of difficulty, the body needs help even more. Now, for many, this is countercultural. While in serious conflict, many couples hesitate to invite the body into their marriage to help. You know what one thing that keeps away uh, help from the body? Pride pride. Pride keeps us from exposing ourselves and getting the actual help that we need. See, this is actually another result of the fall. When Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden tree, they looked at one another and they saw their nakedness and they hid. They put on the fig leaves. At the fall, humanity lost its intended transparency. So in other words, a lot of time, whenever there's a conflict, we want to hide it. No, not me. I'm good. Everything's great with us. Everything's fine with our marriage. And the funny thing is, is that we don't, a lot of times in the church, we do not see the fruit until it becomes bad fruit. Then that's where it just gets exposed. Man, we, nothing I could do. Nothing I could do. Well, actually, there was something you can do. We could have earlier in its season started pruning where it needed pruning. We could have started dealing with some things. We we need the body. Look at your neighbor and say, we need the body. See, just as Adam and Eve hid their sin and hid their conflict, many times we do the same thing. In order to build a healthy marriage, God meant for us that we must be willing to expose ourselves to, to seek help. In Matthew chapter 18, Christ said that if approaching the person uh, of sin does not work, we should bring one or two others for accountability. And if that doesn't help, invite the church. And if that doesn't help, the church should lovingly discipline the mate. The Bible says. Now, this is very difficult. I understand that as followers of Christ. It's very difficult. But we, we must trust that God knows best. See, God wants to use other godly people to speak into our marriage as iron sharpens iron. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 talks about that. We need each other to sharpen each other. See, this is why, this is very important. When it comes to marriages, and if your marriage is going through it, what you want to do is you want to attach yourself to another married couple because your iron will sharpen their iron, and their iron will sharpen yours. It's very important. See, this is why we even have a marriage Bible study. Now, this is very important. It's called a marriage Bible study, not a marriage, let's just share all our problems study. Because, look, let's be honest. In marriage, we got a lot of problems. Okay, I'll just say I got a lot of problems. Maybe you don't got a lot of problems. But marriage, in, in our marriage, I'll be honest with you, we have a lot of issues that sometimes come up. How come you didn't tell me? Well, I, why didn't you say it? I did say it. I didn't hear you. Why didn't you say it? Well, if you would have told me. Well, then, well, how much did you spend there? I don't know. Why didn't you tell That's not what you said. Well, that's what I said. Oh, my gosh, what happened? And I've learned that from the smallest of things, that becomes the biggest of challenges. But you know what I've learned? I have learned to allow others to come and speak into our lives. You know that even us as pastors, we open up ourselves to other married couples to speak into us and say, hey, you know what? Look, we're pastoring. We're here. We're doing this. But we need some insight right now. We need some wisdom right now. It's biblical. It is biblical to get some insight to those who have the wisdom. See, if you think and you're here tonight and you've got all the wisdom of the world and you think you've already arrived then my friend, you're kind of at your final destination. You don't need to go anymore. You're good. You know what we should do? We should just kill you right now. Go to heaven. You're done. But if you're saying, no, I'm not done. I still need to grow. Well, then guess what? If you still need to grow, you need others to speak into your life. And you need to be open about that. You know, that's one way to become a disciple. See, if you want to be a church attendee, all you got to do is come sit down and listen to the person behind the microphone. But if you want to be a disciple, then you got to connect with somebody and say, listen, teach me something. Show me something. I need some areas worked on. You know why it's called a blind spot? It's called a blind spot because you can't see it. If it wasn't called a blind spot, it would just be called a spot. A <laughs> spot. I got it. I got this. I got it. We got it all together. No. You need somebody to show you your blind spots. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you and you need me. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make one sure. You know that every president and every king has a cabinet of advisors, they have advisors. We need people around us that are going to help us make these decisions. You cannot do it on your own. Listen, in your Christian walk, just don't think that, well, as long as I come to church, as long as I have a Bible, I got it together. No, my friend, we got to study this word. We need to study our marriages. We got to study what God is trying to do. And why? Because the enemy has a plan for you. See, we quote the scriptures a lot, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. That's what God says. But you must also understand in the same way that God has a plan, the enemy has a plan. And if you don't know how to counterattack that, it's just going to happen. Well, whatever happens, happens. No, that's not the case. Allow somebody to come in and speak life into you, to speak health into you. You need each other. I need you, and you need me. You need the person next to you. You need the person behind you. We need each other. That's how we're going to grow as disciples. As disciples, we need each other. Especially for those of you guys in the home, the brother that you don't like, guess what? He's there on purpose, for a purpose, just to get on your nerves. By the same token, my wife gets on my nerves. Good, she's all yours. My husband gets on my nerves. Good, he's all you. That's what he's there for. We're there to grow with each other. And so what we need to understand, especially married couples, That we, in order to grow a healthy marriage, there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors, especially when there is a conflict. We as couples should do our best to try to resolve them first, but if it doesn't work, then we must understand that it's okay to get some advice from the outside. It assures our victory. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 Talks about all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, God's word is useful to train and equip for every good work, which includes our marriages. And those who disregard the scripture do it at their own peril of what is happening in their marriage. See, what you and I must understand is that in finding counselors, The couple, we would agree on the approach. That's what it does. It allows a a LCD. That's what I call it, a lowest common denominator. It's the foundation that, okay, well, I think this. Well, I think that. Okay, well, if we get some counsel, we can agree right here on a foundation. And it gets us some wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. See, by not using the body, we spiritually impoverish ourselves. What you and I must do, especially as married couples, and I want to share this, we're talking about healthy conflict, we must allow ourselves to get, uh, you know, some counsel from the outside in. We always talk about from the inside out, but the Bible talks about it in the same way even as singles. If you have something against your brother, you try to resolve it from the inside, but if it doesn't work because it doesn't always work, it's okay to get it from the outside in. And the last one as it comes to the piano, and I'm going to close with this. In conflict we must immediately seek and do our best to resolve the situation. Immediately seek to resolve the situation. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 talks about in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, I find this scripture very important for marriages. It's very important. Because we always talk about, do not let the sun go down on your anger, right? He said, amen, praise the Lord, that's powerful. You know what the scripture is saying? The scripture is saying this. If the sun goes down on your anger, you are allowing the devil to have a foothold in your marriage. You know what the foothold is? A foothold is a military term. Right? For those that have ever been in the military, we need to take that beachhead. We got to take that. We gotta, why? Because we need a foothold. Because if we can get in there, that's our in. That's our in. That's how we can break open and take over the whole beach and take over the whole country. All we need is a foothold. Well, if you reverse that, The Bible says that anger is a foothold to divide your marriage. That's all he needs. He doesn't need to do all this other. Just get angry at your spouse. Just stay angry at her. Just stay angry at him. See, the apostle Paul says you got to get rid of it before the day is over. See, it means that unforgiveness and anger will give Satan a door to continually attack a person or even a relationship. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 35, you will read the parable of the merciless servant. Now in this story, it talks about a master, excuse me, a master had a great amount of money that was owed to him from a servant. It was a great amount of money, right? Let me just kind of paraphrase. He was owed a great amount of money from the servant. But the Bible says that the master forgave him. And he forgave him and said, you don't owe me. So then the Bible says the servant went away and saw somebody on his way who owed him money that was a lot less than what he owed his master. And the Bible says that he got so upset with this person that he threw him in jail. So think of it like this. I owed Art a million dollars, but Art comes and says, "Pastor, million dollars? We're gonna squash it. All right, thanks. That's awesome." Then I see Pastor Toby. We're walking along. Hey, where's my ten dollars? You ain't got it. That's it. You're going. That's it. You're, you, we're gonna send you right now to the kids gang. I don't ever want to see you ever again. You're on timeout. Wouldn't that make R go, wait, 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 hold on. I just forgave you of a million dollars, and you're upset over $10? Wait, 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 hold hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I not forgive you of all the wrongdoings that you ever did within your life? And you're going to get upset over your spouse because, because he or she forgot to put the cup away? Because they forgot to bring in the groceries from, oh, I forgot. See, that's your problem see these are the small things you see what I'm saying these are the small things Well, it's it's really not a big deal you make up a bunch of small deals they become a big deal see and the enemy knows that he can do whatever he can to get you upset get you angry get you perturbed get you frustrated because if he can get you in the little all he needs is a foothold that's all he needs just give him a little bit And if you don't know how to resolve that little, oh, watch what the enemy could do with a lot. See, I've seen a lot of marriages start. This is how they start in going down the pathway of divorce. It starts with the little. It's it's never the big stuff right away. It's always the little stuff. It's the little things. It's just getting on my nerves. It's just getting on my nerves. See, if you don't know how to resolve this, the Bible says when the sun goes down, because when you sleep, all of a sudden it resonates and it boils. Begins to boil. Oh. I can't wait for them to mess up. I can't wait for that. Look, man, there's there's no victory in your marriage because you're waiting for the other person to mess up and say, I told you so. You're all messed up. You owed me. That was ten. But what about God? Man, he forgave you of so much. See, he that has been forgiveth much. Don't ever forget about the forgiveness that God gave you. Don't ever forget that. See, you and I must understand conflict is always going to be there. It's always going to be a part. So for those of you that are married, say, oh, how come she doesn't get it? How come he doesn't get it? Like, Conflict is going to be there. But you have to understand in that conflict, God is trying to mold and shape your character. He's trying to mold and shape your character to learn what it is to be forgiven. You know what's heavy about that last portion of scripture in that parable in Matthew chapter 18 verse 35 this is heavy this is a scripture that a lot of people try to avoid but it's the truth and you know what I've learned about the truth is that it's going to set you free in Matthew chapter 18 verse 35 listen to what Christ tells his disciples about this parable because he says that he takes this person who did not forgive the debt and he tells them that you were going to go into a place where there was a weeping and gnashing of teeth. And verse 35, he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unle- unless, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. See, forgiveness is a key to healthiness. Forgiveness is a key to healthiness. Now, I'm talking about marriage, but this is also a biblical principle. Forgiveness is the key to healthiness. I want to challenge you, husbands and wives, ask your spouse for forgiveness. I can't tell you how many times I've had to ask for forgiveness, whether I felt I, I needed it or even if I didn't. Now, this is what I've learned, is that even when I've said it, my wife goes, you don't really mean it. Oh, man, I've got to do this. But you know what I'm learning? And she's learning, too, is that it's a practice. It's a practice because you got to keep practicing it. Nobody gets it right the first time. So for those who are saying, well, this this marriage is not working, you got to practice. You got to keep working it. You're not perfect right away. Don't let the enemy get a foothold. Well, he ain't getting it. So that was your choice. Well, she ain't getting it. So that was your choice. That was your commitment. Now you got to learn. Oh, man. Let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work. You're not done yet. For those of you that are married and you're going through it, if you're mad, why, am I go, why do I feel like this? It's because you're not done yet. God's not finished with you yet. God is trying to do something inside of you. He's trying to teach you some principles of what you and I need to do in order to look more like him. See, we pray about this all the time. God, I want to be more like you, okay? You want to be more like me? Then here is some trials. Here's some trials. Something that you and I must learn within our marriages. Now, this is what I want to do. And I did the same thing last week. I want to do it again. And that is I want to pray for all the married couples. I want to pray for those of you here tonight, that you're married, whether your spouse is here or whether your spouse is not here. I want to pray for the the married couples. I want my wife to come on up as well. And we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to to be with us. Even within our marriages, I know, even my marriage itself, it's been real hard. Why don't we all stand? And all the married couples, come on up. Come on, all the married couples, come on up. If your spouse is here, or even if they're not here, come on up.